It's oh Sam. I don't think it's vain to say that someone's hot. It's not. No, it's just it's just a fact. Yeah, and I'm not saying that in a reductive way in any way, shape, or form. You respect that she's hot. I respect it. <laughs> I just no. had to share that. They have to share a room with their mom. This, their mom. this is sick. That's this is sick. It is sick. So it starts getting in the weeds with that, but it got great. The vibes were crazy. Back and um, I am here today with Sam Slut and Jordan. He doesn't have a nickname yet. Um, <laughs> we'll work on that. I traveled with the podcast today and only brought two microphones. That's why you can't hear Sam giggling yet because she has the unfortunate responsibility of sharing a microphone with me. That's okay. I can do it. So what I did want to talk to Sam about, though, I know I just pulled that <laughs> mic right back it. from you. I'm going to hand it to you here in a second because I need you to. Um, you're on trial. Sam's on trial right in this moment. So Sam listened to the last episode with Jordan and I where we were uh, hating. We're haters. We've come out as haters <laughs> about people who like pop back into high school class with a Starbucks or two for you and the teach friends with high school teachers. Yeah, I'm gonna have to apologize publicly and formally uh, to you and to the to Gubernation. Um, I am one of those. I uh, was the teacher teacher's pet. Um, so obsessed that uh, I mean, the antics I got into are numerous. Uh, but long long story short, I was invited to her 40th birthday this last year oh to get fucked God. up in West Hollywood. So that is the kind of relationship we have. Okay, so did you go? And how fucked up did you get? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I did not go. Uh, just simple summary. I think I actually had to work at Topa. I like couldn't get the weekend off, blah, blah, blah. So sad. But um, yeah, she's she's a very close friend. And uh, yeah, she's my high school English teacher. I mean, I guess she's only 10 years difference. You yeah. said 40th birthday. Yeah, and I'm turning 30. Yeah, we're just about 10, 11 years apart. It's a, it's like this like mentor sisterhood like yeah. experience. But yeah, it was probably weird when I was 15. <laughs> okay, so were you doing the thing Jordan was doing and like having lunches inside classrooms? Well, I also had, uh, you know, I, was a, I was a very, there were days I'd have every friend and there were days I had none. On the days that I had none, I ended up in Mrs. J's <laughs> classroom, <laughs> sitting, eating my same lunch that I ate every single day. A salami sandwich, cherry tomatoes on the side with a Diet Coke. So Diet Coke. Yeah, that's a window. I'm like actively feeling embarrassed as I'm sharing this. But, you know, we embrace these parts of ourselves and integrate them. So. Okay, you said Diet Coke. You were yeah. drinking that in high school? Oh, yeah. So this is something I don't have experience with. Uh, I never drank diet anything in high school. Like, is that like mm. a sickness? Like, why are we, why are children drinking diet things? Well, that's the soda my mom would buy. So mm -hmm. my mom was drinking it. And uh, I mean, a Diet Coke to me, especially as little ones, it's oh. like a cigarette. Yeah, it, it just literally like, is. It just give, give them to me. Um, there, I, there's a book I read years ago where um, there's a doctor figure and he has 12 cigarettes a day and it names them after each of the apostles. <laughs> Which I just love. It's time for Judas. <laughs> it's a dark time of the day. Uh, so yeah, I was that I was that nerd. Uh, I was actually close with both my English teachers in high school, and uh, turns out one of them was super homophobic. So that relationship has since fizzled. Um, but uh, the other one's thriving. So you know, shout out to uh, the, the duality the, of English <laughs> <teachers>. <laughs> the, Yeah, truly. 
So, um, yeah. So that was I was that freak. Sorry. No, big surprise. A big surprise. Sam's weird. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Thank you for being so brave and honest. That took a lot, I'm sure, to come out. You have been really putting yourself out there with the milk. With the milk. <laughs> Teacher's have ADHD. Pet. Teacher's pet. It's just, it's just endless with me. The, the ailments I have. <laughs> well, wow. It's all about visibility, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jordan, I saw this note days ago and i was excited to talk about it because i feel like okay well i think we are going to think the same or have the same hot take on it but talk to us about dr Dr. Jill Jill Biden. (laughs) (laughs) okay so there's this like i don't know conversation starter that i heard that was basically saying who's a celebrity a famous person whatever it may be that you would absolutely be down to fuck but what but, um, this is taking a left turn <laughs> you'd have to explain it to your friends so like it would take some explaining oh so like for my brother for david ah david it's ina garden aka <laughs> barefoot contessa <laughs> um for and david for me, that adds up for me okay so dr jill biden it's not it is there's obviously a physical level to this however <laughs> more than anything it's the power structure i think you know, she's a woman in a high place, and she's educated, and she's a doctor. She's not, like, if we're going to be vain and gross, she's not terrible. No. On the ice. Right. And she wears those blue suits. Oh, Sam. <laughs> blue, the, I, I don't think it's vain suits. to say that someone's hot. It's not. No, it's just it's just a fact. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a reductive way in any way, shape, or form. You respect that she's hot. I respect it <laughs> Right. I guess I wasn't trying to say whittle her down to her only value is her no. hotness. But in this case, it is because you would want be fucking her. Because of <laughs> the, the power, too, is definitely a big point. Okay. So I thought you were referring. There's this like uh, social media thing going around where fucking Marjorie Taylor, whatever the fuck her name is. I don't even know her name because I don't even care about her. I hate that she exists. Uh, there was a football game recently a playoff game for all you sports heads big game game. and uh dr jill biden was in the crowd and the announcer announced that dr jill biden was in the crowd and a woman decided to go on twitter or on reels or something i can't remember and and tear her down by saying like you you like expect us to call you a doctor like get a real fucking degree like are you kidding me just just being so gross and it's so weird that's what i thought you were going to talk about just like the disgusting nature of like (laughs) sexism in this country and how it like affects women too because i've had own female family members in my family i grew up playing sports right i'm a total jock i was a triathlete in high school sports were my life until they took softball out of the olympics and i said i have no future (laughs) what am i gonna do you know so i was like i'm out but before that so it's just so funny that someone in my family would like talk to me this way because i don't know like read the room but i had a female in my family say that they can't stand listening when they're watching a game and a woman is announcing it that they hate hearing a woman's voice and if you're going to be a woman on tv in sports you better be hot otherwise what are you even doing meanwhile terry bradshaw is getting camera time so i thought we were just gonna actual assault to my eyes you know what i got it out I vent it. That was enough for me. I think I needed to just come on air and yell about how sexist women are, even in this world. Huh. Um, so that's fun for you listeners. 
<laughs> Sam, you've had this note from for weeks, maybe a month at this point. But I want you to tell us about your video game and what you're playing. <sighs> okay, well, it couldn't be more relevant these days. Um, okay, so I, yes, on my note, I wanted to talk about video games and loving video games. And I had a lot to say about it. And now it's super relevant because the video game I've been playing recently is The Last of Us 2. Okay, okay, okay. So this show just came out too on yes. HBO, right? HBO? Yep, HBO? Everyone's freaking out about it. Over The Last of Us, yes. My roommate Alex is constantly trying to get us to watch TV, and we would never watch anything he suggests. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Love him to death. Yeah. But he's always like, you have to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Then we did watch all of that. And? Well, I watched it growing up. Oh, okay. Amazing. Can, I, can I have a fun f- side fact? Let's do it. Uh, an, uh, this man recently married into my family. He's the writer for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Get the fuck David out. David Greenwald, what's up? Uncle David? Get the fuck David. out. Wait, is he like the super sexist one? No. I, what was his name? David. What, Wilden? Woden? Josh Whedon? Josh Whedon David is Greenwald. the creator uh-huh. of the show. Okay. And he's a real piece of shit. I'm sure. I, I mean, it's yeah. the 90s, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we like we like Uncle David. He's, okay. he's, where he's good by us. Anyways, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, back to uh, watching shows, and Alex um, is bad at recommending things, and that's why you yes, thought about so maybe not watching The he, Last of Us? He tells us to watch stuff nonstop. We never watch any of it. So yeah. when he said The Last of Us, I said, well, this is just an, another in the in the onslaught of suggestions. It's, it's the last of you, Alex. <laughs> We've had enough. Well, do you ever feel like People never stop being like, oh, my God, you have to watch this. Yeah. Well, I think he might be right about this one. Yeah, it's good. Have you seen it, Jordan? No, I haven't seen it yet, but it's top of the list. Top of the list. Especially, apparently, episode three, groundbreaking, soul crushing. Amazing. Yes. So both Alex and Asa have played this game, but I want to hear your take. Like, what makes it, what makes you feel so good when playing it? All right. Well, you, you know me. Sam's going to give big context, big, big backstory. Sorry. Buckle up, listeners. Okay, everybody. Got a tug on a heartstring <laughs> or two. Uh, so now I have a quick question. Tell me about it. Uh, does it have... Okay, I'm going to list things uh-huh. and then wait until I'm done and use count the amount of things that this has connection to. Okay. You being gay. Yes. <laughs> yes. How'd you know? You previously being a Christian minister. Oh, okay. No, not on that one. So we got one. Being a one therapist. Mm, one for three. Okay, well, you know what? I'm okay. excited to learn more about okay. you. Okay, well, I'm so gay, so that's big hit. <laughs> We're a big hit on on the gay factor. Anyways, um, this game, The Last of Us, came out a little bit ago, and I originally played it with my brother. I watched my little brother. He's ten years younger than me. I watched him play it. Heartstring moment. I watched him play it while my dad was in the hospital. So we'd go to the hospital all day. We'd come home and we'd play this game about a father figure and a daughter figure. And I'd watch my little brother as were. I actually can hear myself getting emotional. So we would play this game. And um, again, that the reason it's this big hit on HBO, it really is this emotional story. So and yet at the same time, I'm just a 25 year old kid and he's a 15 year old kid being like, I guess this is how we're connecting. This is how we connect. This is yeah. How we're connecting. And, and yet it's this emotional piece that, so it was like both very lighthearted and deep at the same time. Um, so we played that game together over, uh, a, a week and, um, and I was too scared to play it by myself. So fast forward a couple years, I'm like, I'm brave enough. I'm going to revisit this fucking game. So I revisit the game. I play it. I cry over and over. Fast forward a little bit more. It's now this year. Hello. It's now it's The Last of Us 2 and you're playing as Ellie, the Ellie uh, and and I don't know if this counts as a spoiler. Should I warn 
fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear fast forward fast forward you're fast forwarding okay ellie's gay hey Hey. okay that can't be a spoiler maybe it's like her coming out story it's a very beautiful thing that happens in the story so um ellie's gay and for a kid who grew up on video games you always play a dude and or some busty woman some man thought up and it's super (laughs) sexualized so for me as someone who's always played video games finally playing a character who's just this like queer woman has been fulfilling in a way that i could not anticipate it's like filling me up in a way i couldn't imagine so that's my little piece on on representation and i was gonna say you're seeing yourself in these weird little spaces that you wouldn't have before so let's talk about growing up and playing video games then okay let's go uh my grandparents were notorious for getting us the best christmas gifts okay they got us razor scooters with the light up wheels long before anybody on the block had them okay you know what's weird they brought them back with them from a trip on to Hawaii. Like, you could have probably got them here, guys. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now my sister would listen to this and say, Stephanie, you're you're wrong because I have weird memory, like, mm. recolli- what is it called? Recall? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I pieced together two things that definitely happened. But maybe not in that order. I see. So yeah. in my brain, they brought the the scooters back from Hawaii. Why? I don't know, but I think that's true. Yeah, it's like a patchwork kind of experience. They also got me my first TV, and it was like a it's maybe like a maybe a ten inch screen or a twelve inch screen little box, huge box. And they got me a DVD player, and they got me the first season of House. Okay. The TV show, which I was like... How old? Yeah. Yeah. I was too young to be watching House, mm-hmm. <laughs> but still one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> and then one year, guys, Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. The big one. And which later my sister sold for drugs and I'm still holding a grudge. <laughs> so yeah, I will put that on here because uh-huh. I'm still upset about that because that's like, a, that is something that we could still use today. Ace and his brother have oh, their yeah. original Nintendo 64 and we'll play on it. Like well, okay. it still works. Yeah. It, a Nintendo 64 is, is, uh, is the, hi- was the height of life. And, um, I want to know, Jordan, did you, did you have a Nintendo 64, like your first game console, like memory? My first game console memory was probably on the GameCube. Okay, yeah, that makes sense uh-huh. with our age difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing the math. The GameCube and the yeah. PlayStation 1. That was, okay. like, yeah. where I came into play. Cool. But the Nintendo 64 was present, because David existed. Oh, oh, David. David. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so he had one. So it was cool. there. But, like, Game Boy Color, GameCube. What games, though, are you thinking are, like, your childhood flagship games? I feel like I played a lot of Pokemon. I played a yes. lot of Smash. And then later on, the sports video games became a thing, which mm. like Madden, because I wasn't allowed to play first person shooters for a long time. So like when all the other kids were playing Halo and all that other stuff, you were Christian. I was playing <laughs> NCAA <laughs> 2K14 or whatever. Uh, oh my yeah. god, we would lock ourselves in our in the bedroom, and we would always laugh because like you know when you play video games and you're younger with your friends, and then all of a sudden it's dark out, and you're like, we've been in here for six hours, but it feels like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. We used to play. 007 GoldenEye. Oh my gosh. Yes, so good. Uh, it's back. Incredible. They remastered it and it's <laughs> back. But I played it on the GameCube. That was like one of the first games. Ugh. Yes. So satisfying. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember. So my parents split when I was about five or six and my dad got an apartment like a few blocks down and I would stay with him every Friday. Trauma. Uh, no, it's just, <laughs> it's embedded in everything. Why do you think I'm so cute and funny? Hello. 
<laughs> Hello. <laughs> it all adds up. Um, and so, and again, I've turned up my trauma into a career. So you got to capitalize on <laughs> that pain. Um, so anyway, so my dad, though, I would stay with him Friday nights and he's like, oh, I really got to be a dad. I got to really do the thing now. I got to like do the thing. So, so what he did, he, we would make Toll House cookies Friday nights. And then on a Saturday morning, he like turned to me and was like, you know what we're going to do today? I'm like, I have an idea. It's like, I, I, I don't I, get to decide those things. I'm, I'm five. I have no clue. And he's like, we're going to get a Nintendo 64. And I lost my mind. I'm like, it is not Christmas. It is not my birthday. I, I don't know. We're celebrating apparently divorce <laughs> so we're gonna go to best buy we're gonna go to nintendo 64 i do think this is like a single parenthood thing where you're like okay we have so much uninterrupted time together yeah kids are like the amount of attention they're they're ready to go all the time so it's like what else could be better than like i want to play video games as an adult yeah this five-year-old's gonna get into it and it's hours yeah truly. hours it truly is hours yeah we would play um there was a racing game and i don't remember what it was called but it was a racing game and we would play that constantly and then i'd want to play pokemon snap and he's like mm, i'm gonna do something else <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay i'll just take pictures of pokemon by myself <laughs> i played pokemon snap that was okay so like we had the nintendo 64 my best friend kelsey who for these two, I know the goobers now grew up five houses down from me Cute. and on the same side of the street, even, which is important to know. I, not really, but for me, it's important to say. Uh, and she, we would play Pokemon Snap and I never really got it, you know, because I played these games that were like really plot driven or or racing or donkey kong or something so to just sit around and snap photo like it was fun jordan do you have anything to say about this as a photographer i'm gonna defer to you i'm gonna defer to you well at five years old i was cool with it but i was like i just remember that game being like i was i couldn't get super into it okay well were you ever in the vehicle as the photographer and would see a group of charmanders oh i know i know i was probably just sitting next Do to you? kelsey watching her snap photos and okay. being like okay because if you tossed an apple onto the ground yeah, i remember a that horde of charmanders <laughs> would come and want to snack on the apple and it's the cutest thing I think I've ever seen. And now, anytime I give a snack to a child, do you know what I think of? Apple. Charmander. You're playing a Charmander. And your father <laughs> and those memories. And all those memories, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, um, I also have a scarred memory from playing Smash. Because, I mean, we're playing Smash. Yep. What else are we doing? Kelsey had a... We're not Smashing ex- at oh, that age, no. so we're playing Smash. Kelsey right. had a Cube 2, and that was like a big Cube game, I think. It's exclusively. Exclusively, is what Jordan's saying, because I'm holding his microphone <laughs> hostage. <laughs> uh, and it was New Year's Eve. I was probably 16 or 17, and we were there, and we were drinking so much Carlos Rossi at Kelsey's house. And it was like, we, you know, when do you know the difference between a kick it and a party? Hmm... Jordan's kind it's of shaking unplanned. his head. It's a kick, a, it is kick unplanned. It, a kickback is like the core homies, the okay. core group. We're yeah. just hanging out. It's not going to get crazy. We're actually going to have conversations. We're not getting just <laughs> wasted to get wasted. We're kicking back. So we're kicking back. We're playing Super Smash. I've had about a gallon of Carlos Rossi. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there. <laughs> we're playing. And this game is making me so woozy. And I sit there on the couch and I just throw up on myself. I don't lean over. I do Whoa. nothing. I just throw up all over myself. Then I walk and Kelsey's like, that's the worst thing you could have ever done because now you're red wine throw up is going sorry for the people at home that like lose their appetite or like Uh get grossed out by things like this i personally am not that girly i've never lost my appetite so we'll move on but so anyways i was 
I just, it's a core memory because Kelsey let me wear a Credence Clearwater Revival shirt Hell and yeah. she gave me shorts and I walked home. It's New Year's Eve. I walked home in shorts and a shirt and it's five houses down. She walks me halfway. That's the rule to the bush. We know the bush. And uh, I get home and I'm in my bed and I'm almost in the clear. Like mm-hmm. my parents don't really know what's going on. Nothing. Right. My mm-hmm. dad comes in to talk to me and I'm drunk and I'm being dramatic and I want him to leave. And I, as he's leaving, no, I'm being really quiet as he's leaving. I'm like, dad, can you hand me my waste basket? underneath my desk and he does and i just throw up all of the mm-hmm. contents of my stomach in it and my dad goes he's playing it so cool. he's being so cool yeah he's just like oh that sucks he rubs my back and he's like why would you drink that much and i go i go you just you don't get it and he's like i don't get what like what's going on and i go sometimes i just want to forget and he's like forget what and I didn't have an answer because I had the easiest childhood that <laughs> like at that point in my uh, life like there wasn't anything like do you know what i mean i do i do know what you mean and i was trying to play it off as if like i was trying to think like if i was sad or something maybe he'd be okay with me getting blacked out drunk Mm -hmm. but he was just like bro you ain't sad you please like i was just like life's hard he's like what the how (laughs) because you have to take the bus to school like what you know you had to walk five houses down did you guys ever play video games with your friends hella drunk Oh yeah, Christian. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm no, not going that no, far back. No, for me. <laughs> um, I used to play on Mario Kart. There's nice. a variation you can play called "Don't Drink and Drive." Have you played this before? No. <gasps> oh, okay, well, so I have you play... my Switch in my car. If you guys <laughs> want to play it, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's called "Don't Drink and Drive," and you have to finish a Mario Kart race. Um, and you're racing against your friends, but the rule is you have a beer or a drink in your hands. You can only drink or drive at a time. So you can drive as far as you can, and then you have to drink. But the beer has to be done at the end of the race, and you have to be at the end of the race, right? So Mm. it's pretty fun. You can strategize when you want to drive, when you want to drink. So, like, who... So you're either winning because you chug... I think if you chug... If you drink well, if you can drink fast, you're the winner. Well, and everyone thinks that they can drink at the beginning. Like, okay, I'll just chug a beer, and then I'll do the race. No, you want to chug it right at the end. It's a Grand Prix, which... (laughs) (laughs) If listen you're familiar, to you. listen to you. A Grand Prix is split into three different races. So by the third race, like you don't want to do that game plan anymore. <laughs> you're trying to pace yourself, um, and the road the roads get a little windy. Rainbow Road after four beers. No, well, Rainbow Road with no beers. <laughs> with no beers is Fuck Rainbow Road, dude. That was yeah. in the Grand Prix. Rainbow Road at the end. That's the champ. That's Y'all a ain't chip. finishing. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all ain't finishing that game. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Also, Sam, I'm a switch bitch now. That was a note that we never got to from one of our recording sessions. Yeah, I love a good, I love a good switch. So, Asa's brother <laughs> got us a. Sw- <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. You do though. I well, yeah. Historically, yes. I yeah. <laughs> it's historically, she has switched, bitch. <laughs> yes. Is that okay to say? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <sighs> I'm pretty good at bowling. Uh, on the switch do you play bowling do you play those games bowling no is that embarrassing no it's not it is the way i'm sorry the the face (laughs) and the way that you looked when Uh, i said that i bowl as a 30 year old (laughs) on the switch at home can you imagine i thought that was a wii sports experience i don't know that the switch you know the switch said we'll take that technology it grandfathered it in (laughs) yeah I see. So for for New Year's Eve, me and my cousins and Asa, we did a switch mar like a mm-hmm. switch Olympics. Mm-hmm. Asa 
came up with all the rules and made it drinking and you there's a dunce cap and there was like cool penalties obviously that led to more drinking david would understand what that's like uh and so i was the best at bowling badminton can i tell you that on the switch you don't have to like bat at a little vertical ball as if you're actually playing badminton and tennis Mm -hmm. however i did Mm. and the next day my arm was so sore (laughs) i was so embarrassed Yeah, um, I didn't know there was a sports category. I mean, maybe I should uh, look explore. at me. I told you I was a jock. I warned you. Well, you are. Uh, we established early on that you are better than me. So whoa, this whoa, is just whoa! When did we establish that? I feel like the whole last episode we were just like, yeah, you're just another example of where you're better. Which I will bow. I'm happy. Um, to-, to be fair, I black out every recording, so I never <laughs> remember what we talk about. Okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. No, because I'm, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I th- of course you're supposed you're supposed to say that, but I'm also supposed to say my. The we're only thing I'm better at right now. The only thing I'm better at than you is being tall. Like I'm pretty sure that's all I got you on are you. Are better at like at and, that than me, and for to sure. be fair, I take that into the world. That mm. is like being taller than people. I'm like boom, bitch. Like that's one thing I know I can be good at. That's cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Until there's another bitch in the room that's like six two, and I'm like, I literally will be like, hey, so we should leave. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a taller woman. Not only do I want to marry her, mm. I want to make out with her. I want to ask yeah. her to marry me. I want to run away with her. Have you ever done we any have of those to things? Leave. Yeah. <laughs> I think Cody, you're living a whole other life somewhere. Cody and I talked about this once. I assaulted a 6'4 woman at the tavern years ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. We made out, and um, I can't remember how consensual it was. Uh huh. No, okay, guys, that sounds really bad. <laughs> Here's the thing is, you, yeah, I'm so deeply insecure that the next day I woke up and was like, no one would want to make out with me. That's that's more so, so where therefore... my brain went, was that you were like probably nervous. <laughs> Most women are nervous about other women perceiving them as gross or yeah, creepy. Yeah. Uh, but by nature of not being a man, that's what... And while in a relationship. So I was like, hey, babe, <laughs> by the way, last night I made out with someone who wasn't you. And you know what's sexist? He didn't care because it was a I woman. I know. I hate that. I hate <laughs> when men do that. They're always unthreatened. I'm he like, was like, okay, whatever. That's cool. Jordan has something to say. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. <laughs> oh, I saw your hand. Up. No? No, I was just like, hey, you were just hey, loving hey, that there moment. it is. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, um, so Steph, Steph is uh, instructing me to switch, <laughs> switch, which is something I can do. I was trying to like low key get you to like lead into lead. the night. I know. But I'm I, sorry. I'm trying to train these little my, my little co-hosts. Okay. Um. Okay. Let me just let me just. I'm taking a moment. I'm leaning back into my seat and I'm refocusing because this is a to me a hard pivot into well being from from. <laughs> Hi. No, it's we can go there. We're just we're slowing. We're slowing the pace. We're speaking a little more quietly. This is how often I talk to my clients. It's much more balanced. And then we joke around at the beginning, but then nice and slow. Anyways, uh, so I recently got a handful of my friends to download an app that I often suggest to my clients. And this app is called How We Feel. So when you open up the app, Jordan, would you like to explain how the app works, what it is? Yeah, uh, I'm not a client, but I'm a friend. Can I be annoying and what? interrupt, as I said I wouldn't do because we're sharing microphones? Um, is this the little bird thing I saw no, the other day? No, it's not the little bird okay, thing. Okay, I just wanted to know. Okay, I'm giving this back to you. E- that is equally about well-being, but way more adorable. Uh, we'll get there in a bit. But um, How We Feel is a lovely little app 
that Sam put us onto, and it's about okay. So you open up the app, and here I'll do it right now. Actually, you open up the app, and the first thing it asks is how you're feeling at the moment, right? And so you check in. It says how are you feeling this evening, and you have these four quadrants, and it's high energy, low energy, and then pleasant or unpleasant, and it's a mix of the four. And you get to pick, so like right now, high energy and pleasant. And it's giving you all of these different cues or emotion feelings that you can pick about how you're feeling at the moment. And then it'll register it. You can write a little journal in terms of like a little journal note, how you're feeling at the moment, why you're feeling that. You can put a picture there if you want to. And you can also put like the people with you're with or the places that you are. And what it does is it puts all of this information together and suddenly after... A month or a week of writing down how you're feeling three times a day, who you're with, where you are, you get to see these patterns of, oh, I feel really high energy and pleasant with these people. I feel safe. I feel loved. I feel low energy in these places. Like, oh, you get to recognize these patterns in terms of what makes you feel a certain way. And it's a really cool tool in terms of being able to tell um, different ways that you can shape your day, shape your feelings. You can know yourself better so that you can grow more. It's it's pretty great, great and it's pretty special and yeah, it's Yeah, Jordan, that yeah. was a, such a great description of the app and part of its use. And uh and the thing is as so some psychoeducation for you people at home. Um so language is the only part of our brains that connect our prefrontal cortex and some of the the amygdala where a lot of our emotions and memories are stored. And so that's why your therapist is often trying to get you to use feeling words uh, because you have all of these emotions that are constantly pulsing through like as sensations in your actual physical body, uh, getting sourced in the amygdala, which is a more ancient part of our bodies. Um, and and then you have the prefrontal cortex that's just making decisions for you. And if those two parts are not communicating, life becomes more haywire. So if you're able to actually name your emotion, uh, put a word to it, you are able to make that connection more secure, more vibrant, more, again, communicative between these different parts of your brain. So... Again, your therapist isn't just being an ass, being like, use a feeling word. It's like actually making the connection in your brain more powerful and um, feeling your feelings is actually the way to move through them so they mm-hmm. don't haunt you. I think what's cool about the app, too, is that like it it has you using these words and these feeling words outside of the realm of just a session, too, or like retrospectively, I feel like is what happens a lot when I'm in therapy where it's like always like, OK, I felt this way about this thing. Or I'm assuming I did or even projecting on that moment. Mm. But when I'm using this app, I can like in the moment, three to four times a day, it's like, how am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool. And then retrospectively, I can assess that having Mm. already documented it and all this stuff. And yeah. Well, I'm going to download this and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get my closest friends on it, too, because I really want... I like the idea of, because I'm such a Virgo too, I love tracking things and categorizing things Mm -hmm. and things. But when you were explaining the way it works with like your emotional brain versus I think how I understood it is like, sometimes we go through things. I have a hard time when I'm feeling emotional about something, connecting it to a feeling or Mm -hmm. reason. So I think that practice of like what you're saying is like using a feeling word in those moments is something that I feel like I've stopped or like my, I don't know if it's like a survival technique or whatever it is from growing up, but like 
it's just I haven't allowed those feelings to come forward yeah. and just like place a name to it or really process why I would be f- like physically feeling these totally. things, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's a good reminder to also slow down and put names to things and just feel it for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> like it's well, it's, it's a, okay. <laughs> well, your point about like, maybe it was a survival technique at 100%. Okay. I'm a therapist. I can't guarantee that, but most likely I could say 90% likely that is exactly what you were doing. And what most people who are listening are like often doing is like, we are just trying to make it through And often these feelings are so overwhelming. And if we don't have enough internal resources, we think that a feeling is going to swallow us absolutely whole. And so, again, therapy or comforting friends are able to basically hold our hand as we feel a big emotion and know that if we feel into it, if we feel that sadness or that anger, we could actually find the other side. But through a lot of our upbringing, we had no one to hold our hand through those big feelings. So we're like actually overtaken by them. So we've learned over time that like, oh, if I experience any tinge of sadness or anger, I'm going to, I'm going to get consumed by this thing. And so again, it's just through practice, naming and safe spaces that you can actually overcome some of this uh, overwhelming stuff. Yeah. I I feel like I'm a big, when it comes to like even speaking, I'm a big word person. Like I love to, one of my, (laughs) this is so dumb. One of the, my favorite things is finding a word that perfectly encapsulates what you're trying to express. Today I used the word addendum in an email and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) it was an added bit of information to that was already presented. Mm -hmm. And so, but in that same way (laughs) with emotion and talking about your own feelings, talking about the way that you are interacting with the world around you, if you don't have the correct like you said, like inner tools, the correct words to address those things. A lot of times there's a, it's hard to either a like grow from those feelings Mm -hmm. or address them or, or be able to tackle them. And also like, it just like, you're not, there's dissonance between what you're actually feeling and how you're describing it to yourself and your self-talk and all these things. Um, I think a lot of times anxiety and guilt get confused for each other or like the Mm. complex sub feelings in them mm-hmm. and a lot of times people say oh i'm feeling really anxious right now but the truth is that they're feeling guilty about something mm-hmm. and vice versa mm-hmm. um it's the same thing with i mean it could even be for positive feelings um and it's been really cool to use this app as a way to explore the different ways i can describe mm-hmm. how i'm interacting with the world and the world is interacting with me um and then to like, go back and to see it all it's like a spotify rap on my <laughs> on my emotions yeah. um, and it's pretty cool and you get to see people that evoke certain things and like are able to inspire different feelings in you and that's that's pretty special hmm. yeah yeah again i like just to um hearing what you're saying jordan about this uh like again language being really important finding the right word for the right thing you know, it's also, it's satisfying. It's almost like when you're a little kid and you put the star shape in the star hole and then you like do the cl- that click. It's like in our stupid little monkey brains, like finding the right word is like putting that thing through the right, the right juncture or whatever. And so, um, there's a, there's a like common phrase in the therapy world, uh, name it to tame it. Um, so if you ever feel like, God, I feel so overwhelmed by this thing. If you can name it, you can tame it. Like, um, there's a, that's why narrative therapy is really important. And again, there's the neuroscience behind it. Um, and yeah, it's a, there's a lot of reasons why language is really important for experience. I am so inspired by you both. I cannot wait to download this episode. (laughs) I am going to also take a left turn and introduce mine and Blair's segment for this week. 
This week, Blair is going over the city council that had recently met in Ojai, talking mostly about new developments. And it's really interesting. I always think Blair brings such like a passionate and informed view. And I don't know. I'm just so stoked for you guys to have her for this season. (laughs) Let's get into it. She's back. We have Blair here again this Hi. week. What, what, what? To go over recent city council stuff going on. City council shenanigans. So it's what meeting? Housewives. Uh, what meeting are we kind of like thinking about talking about? So this meeting happened um, Tuesday the 24th. Great. And um, of course there was like four items on the agenda, but they only talked about one. And the main one was. Hold on two seconds. Me. So this happened on the 24th. The very mm-hmm. next city council that you can participate in, watch, or be there physically is February 14th. Correct. Valentine's Day. Correct. Take your sweetheart. Wow, how romantic. Imagine, sweetheart, let's go to the city your council civic meeting. duty. And let's go do what we need to do. Okay, so there's all a bunch of stuff on the, on the fucking... Agenda. Agenda. Mm-hmm. And they Some get of to it, one. Really important. Like, <laughs> um, you know, electrifying our our city and new, you know, putting in new yeah. reach codes for electricity and like against, not against gas, but like increasing, lowering carbon emissions, X, Y, and Z, whatever. But what they get to last night, or. I, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So um, I'm like, write it down. Um. So what they get to is the Becker Group development. Like this thing will not fucking die. So the last we've heard last time we heard about the Becker Development Group was that it passed the city council votes, right? The cottages. The cottages. Okay. The, the city, but the, the cottages, the um, M- Montgomery, what is it? Montgomery, Mallory Way. And then also World University, which you guys don't know what World University is. There's a building right next to the bikes, the bike store downtown, you know, the mob shop. There's a building right there that they want to also turn into. That's part of this whole development plan. So in any case, the last we heard city council, it's like they, they three, two vote, bing, bang, boom. They're the, the development group gets the okay to do it. Okay. That just means they get the okay to do it as they've presented it. Da, 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 da. This group still has to go through all the normal planning situations. They still got to submit plans. They still got to get design approval, all this stuff, whatever. So that was the last. Well, we had an election between that decision and now. And we have now three new council members. Ooh. Okay. So, and it's not a clearly split like majority. So we don't know. We've got like a swing vote in this vibes here. So last night they're talking. So in between then also, there's a group in town called Simply Ojai. Yes. They are led by this guy named Tom Francis. I don't know his vibes. I don't know much about him other than he's like involved in stuff. And I don't know, like, I can't figure out why. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Can I throw some gossip around? Oh, please, God. Um, Spill. A trusted source mm. has on multiple occasions mm. stated that Tom Francis runs Betsy Sticks's campaign, runs Betsy Sticks. T. Okay. That is T. Which colors some of the information I'm about to tell you right now. Okay. So... So he's walking around. So he is. Also, I'm laughing so hard because we're in Ojai. 
<laughs> these people. <laughs> I mean. They're playing games in our city. Playing games right in front of our faces. I mean, this is rumor on the street. Rumor. This is rumor on the street. Yes, and allegedly. everybody knows this rumor on the street, right? <laughs> everybody knows this. Yeah. So in any case, so he's out there getting petitions, not only him, but his group, Simply Ohio. They are said, if you pass the city council, what we don't care who's on the board, we're going to sue you. The Simply Ojai is going to sue the city of Ojai and you are going to have to you're going to have to deal with us. And then the Becker group, because we have agreed to this as a city to the Becker group that they can do this thing. OK, so we're under threat of lawsuit from them and we're under threat of lawsuit from Simply Ojai. So simply For Ojai, whichever direction we go, we're getting sued. That was the situation we were in. OK, in November. so what you're saying is Simply Ojai is saying if you go through with it, we're suing you. Correct. And if we don't go through with it, Becker group's obviously going to sue the city. Correct. OK, so we are fucked both ways, like super, super. So. Susa Francine is one of the council members. She looked yeah. at the whole thing. She didn't want this thing. Susa Francine, she said, uh, you know, she's with the oak trees. She said, it's beautiful out there. No, we're not cutting out down oak trees. I don't care. However, she said, they're going to sue the pants off of us. And I'm going to look at what's best for the city. And I do not like this. But this, I have to make this decision because 10 years ago, a different council made this decision. So, okay, fine. So, they get to the, they they pass it. They say they're going to do it. We get new council members. We have an election. And now this is the first time the new council is looking at this in a public meeting after this referendum. So the the thing that I'm missing here is that Tom Francis and his group Simply Ojai and other people who are, you know, probably agree with him went around and got a petition for 600 signatures. And that is all you need to get a referendum. So then a referendum says you council are no longer making this decision, or at least you are aware that this petition exists, you can decide to A, agree with your previous council's decision, this Becker Group development goes forward, B, deny that that decision, like rescind that decision, basically, or C, accept this referendum and take the decision out of your hands and give it to the voters. Okay. Jesus so, fucking Christ. <laughs> so Sousa actually really kind of in her in one of the last meetings she said yes to the group knowing she said yes to the development her vote was yes to the development knowing that a referendum could potentially happen yeah. and thinking maybe that's better that the people do vote right okay so okay but they voted you in office so I don't know what to say but anyway so here we are now there's a referendum on the table and last night they had the decision to have do one of those three things right accept rescind or put it to put, the voters. kick it to the voters okay so the decision was going to be so the conversation starts out fucking crazy immediately one of the new council members leslie rule she says there's stuff going on in our closed sessions that the public needs to know about she's saying this on the video she said i don't care so the city lawyer is sitting there and he's really interesting he's like a, always a background character that's like him and the city manager they actually know stuff yeah the council members don't know almost anything like they're constantly asking these actual professionals what the fuck to do makes sense okay she is going at it with him because he's like you know, council member rule, you cannot disclose anything from private sessions. I cannot confirm or deny that you will be disclosing information, but you cannot. And she starts like continues to kind of push him and push him. Come to find out she has hired outside counsel on her own to let her know if she can say stuff from the private closed sessions or not. 
Okay, so she's got she's got her paper. She's like, I've got this paper from my lawyer saying this statute says X, Y and Z. This statute says this. And I'm allowed to say it because we're not under current litigation. Holy shit. Right. So it's like potential litigation or pending, whatever, whatever. So it starts getting in the weeds with that. But it got great. The vibes were crazy. They're going at it. He's like, no. And she's like, I don't report to you. And it was like the most. So it was like, holy crap. So I'm watching this going. I've never seen this before. And she's on her own doing this. Like she's one of like, what, five council members. And nobody is like, (laughs) everybody's kind of like, oh, my God. So then... They get to the conversation about what are we going to do? They get into it. We've been here for 10 years, you guys. We've been doing this. Public comments are happening. And they're yeah. saying, I mean, public comments are happening in a way that it's like so funny to me because like I've been watching this for like, well, I don't know how many years now. And they're like saying the same thing that they've been saying. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's dug in. Everybody is entrenched in their beliefs about either side, like regardless yeah. of whatever side you're on. Like that's not even the point. It's just like you're we're not getting any new information at these meetings, at least. So, but the council members have kind of, the new council members have run on the idea that they were either opposed or in For. support of. Yeah. Right? Of course. And some people were a little wishy washy. But so what came out finally in the end, I mean, that was like the big fireworks, but oh, there was this one point, it was hilarious. I don't know what wires got crossed, but Leslie Rule, she thought. There was some, mo- I mean, because what they do at these meetings, there's motions. I have a motion for this. Does anybody have a second? So there's a standing motion like ghost floating around. Yeah. And then somebody's like, well, I want to make a substitute motion or I want to amend that motion, which I could see how you get confused. But she thinks that there's some motion that they've all passed that is going to, that's giving her permission to talk about the private closed session meeting. So, so she thinks, she's sitting there and she goes, all this, I mean, she, she goes, Council member Whitman, when we were in closed session and council member Francina brought up the idea, the ties for Mayor Betsy Sticks and Simply Ojai, you said she was talking out of her ass. Yes. It was. Everybody's like, (gasps) I know. And then Betsy's trying to jump in. I was watching. Betsy. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Betsy jumps in because, I mean, she's like, what? This is like private session. And now you're about to not slander me. But you know, you say you're about to like run my name through the streets. So she's like, order, 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 like, because she runs the meeting. Yeah. She's, she gets to, she gets a smidge more power it's than like the rest of the council meeting. It's like her number one meter. job. <laughs> it's like the only job. I she know. like signs proclamations and runs the meeting. So she's like, order, 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 like, smiling out. And then the, the lawyer's all stressed out, too, because he's like, he can't say that what she said is true or not. Right. Because it's private. private. It's like closed door session, right? So funny. Oh, my God. I'm sitting there dying watching this. So then they finally, in the end, decide that they're going to do the referendum. They had three options on the table. They could do it in the upcoming, the most upcoming. um, Let's see. I know I'm going to do this in my times. Okay. The soonest they could do it is 88 days from yesterday. And it would cost $88,000 from the county to have a special election with only this issue. Then, or they could do it at the next primary, which would be March of 2023. No, sorry, March of 2024. So one year from now, have it on that ballot, or they could do it in the general election, 
November 2024. Okay. 2023, right? November 2023? No, babes. 2024. We had an election 2020 yeah. every four years. Okay, okay. You have the primary, you know? Yeah. But we had one 22. That was the... That was the primary you know i mean say yeah you have these off-year elections is what we call it okay off-year elections off presidential year elections so like 2020 we had a presidential election 2024 we'll have another presidential election but before the presidential election in november you have the primary right the primaries where the democrats choose the democrat and the republicans choose the republicans okay and you can put issues on the ballot at that time yes so they decide and the city has to foot the bill for this Election. referendum yeah. so simply ohi is now costing the city council money it's almost like let them sue us i mean i don't know at this point what's more expensive being sued or having a special election well despite they chose not to have a special election so we could have decided this in 88 days if they wanted to say okay we're gonna spend but who has eighty-eight thousand dollars? the city doesn't the city has no money so they go we don't want to spend that much money we're gonna choose to and it was a 3-2 vote. So um, Whitman and Styx both voted to just rescind the whole of agreement, course. right? Of yeah, course, obviously. Of course. Obviously. And then uh, Sousa and um, Rule and Rule decided they would look at it in March of 2023. So we have another year of this breathing down our necks and my i guess my question is like i mean obviously i have a lot of questions but like can the becker group sue us anyway in the meantime in the meantime we have to pause i don't know because it it, technically we're taking away revenue from them i mean i don't know if we're taking away revenue from them but like are we agreeing to the agreement that we agreed to and if we're not what does that mean if we're not agreeing to the agreement that the city council made and then i mean that's the kind of thing that we talk about it's like if you're electing people to make decisions for you and then every time you get new council members you negate that decision that the previous council made how can you run how can you actually function normally that way it's like if you look at it nationally it's like if you it's like when they try to take care you know take the affordable care act away it's like you well, you already did the program like try to make it better or something yeah. you can't just go in and like redo the room every time there's a new person in there you know at least for me in my in my perspective whatever i mean if, there's a lot of people that probably would disagree with me and you should redo the room if it's you know so harmful Obviously. like and i get like yes. sure and that i'm not saying like either decision is right or wrong i'm just saying yeah. this is where we are now so the decision was um we now have this on our backs march 2024 we're voting for this as citizens Yes. In Ohio proper in or does everyone? City limits. Fuck if off. you live in city limits, okay. then you get to vote on this. And so you don't. I sure don't. I live in Miners Oaks. Wow. So I don't get to like pay. I'll be voting. Yeah. So what that is where I mean, we, we sit. We are I mean they could technically couldn't could they not sue for lost revenue because technically they already said they would do it. They can't go through the planning process until this is actually approved or not. Which, I mean, which takes I, longer, which means they don't have people in these places, which means they're not being renovated, which means they have blank lots or and or lower know. revenue coming in. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm assuming this is what their lawyers are talking about at this very moment. Right. <laughs> like if I was, so you're, like, pushing ah, us back, uh, you're pushing us back another. I don't know. Yeah. Which I mean, whatever. I don't care months. about them. But it's like I care about the city is that the city is going to be at risk. I don't care like if they have to whatever, like 
what the fuck do I care about them? But it's like, does this put us at a risk? Does this expose us to a massive risk that like we're unaware of? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's fine. Totally could be fine. But that's where we are. But also, you, we also have to th- remember like, and when I say, you know, the agenda is full of items that we never get to because we're constantly fighting over this one decision that a ca- three different councils have been trying to deal with for the last 10, 15 years. What will get done? What Nothing. will get done? What can we talk about? The the items constantly get backed up, get backed up. There was um, at the end of the meeting, they said, you know, the next meeting is going to be in February. And so then at the next meeting, you know, we've still got so much stuff to do. We, the, the next meeting, they want to talk about the carbon emission reach codes, which is a really important thing that we should get like actually cleared away. They want to talk about rent stabilization, another really important thing that coinc- that coincides with all the things that we're talking about. We're talking about the school board, we talk about, you know, the issues of the cottages among the flowers, the reason people have to leave is because they can't afford rent, you know, like, th- those are important things that are not getting done. Because we cannot agree to the decision that has been made. And like, again, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's like at some point you have to like say this decision that we made is the decision we made and we need to move forward versus like beating the dead horse. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many consequences from doing it and not doing it that we can't see yet. Of course. And so I'm a somebody who doesn't have a lot of understanding is like, let's just kind of do it. Learn from that, this weird situation that's happening. Mm. Learn from that development project. Mm. Learn from what works and what doesn't so that when somebody else wants to develop, Mm. we know what we actually, like what went wrong and what went right about it. I mean, I don't even know the answer. Like, but from what I know. We have no housing. They are, well, you know what's really funny about housing that I've recently been thinking of? I'm like, okay, when I, when I was a kid here, we were bursting at the seams with kids. Okay. We have the same amount of houses, physical homes that we do now. We have maybe a smidge more. But then where were those kids? Where did they exist? They existed in the homes that currently exist. Right. And that's where you have to realize that the population has changed. The population has changed. When my dad was a kid here, they were bursting with so many kids that when he was in third grade at Miners Oaks Elementary, they built Miramonte and they and he moved over there because it was closer to his house. It was the new elementary school. So many kids. That generation had kids, but that time it was a working class town. It was oil field workers, it was it was offshore workers. They were working down over off the avenue at those oil pumps. Yeah. You know, those that was a working class town. It is totally different now. The people that does not exist here almost at all anymore. And that's why those I mean, those people had kids and they had to leave and those people had kids and they had to leave. There was no there's we have the homes to hold children if we wanted to, you know, if we're talking about enrollment and schools and stuff. We don't have the demographics that have the kids. So it's fully changed, which is, you know, why there's always a conversation about the school configuration, but also affordable homes. Half, I mean, I don't even know half. A lot of homes exist in Ojai and are not even first homes. 
They right. sit empty. 100% they do. For Months. periods of time. Months. Where somebody who maybe has a family or whatever or needs to move you know even if you're old you still need a house but if it's sitting empty for six months because somebody is going back and forth between here and idaho or wherever that house is not available to you on the market yeah you know so that is a problem and they were talking a little bit about that in that meeting too about looking andrew whitman at the very end of the meeting mentioned um god what did he call it It was like wasn't vacancy but it was it was basically about how we have homes and like can you ordinance that kind of thing it was kind it was an interesting thing it was an interesting topic and i hope he brings it up for the next agenda um but to like can you just have a house here empty right i guess was the the idea like and how many do we have and if they create ordinances like they have with airbnb Mm. it's only ohi limits it's only city limits, yeah. So I know a fam, a young family that's trying to get a house in Ohio right now. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad, two babies. Mm. And um, a house came available on the east end. The owners decided to do short-term renting mm. in a housing crisis. Cool. Cool. I know another person right now who's showing a rental for 4K a month. It's a two-bedroom, Blair. A two-bedroom house sure the lot's big all the lots are kind of big in ojai a two-bedroom house for 4k if we get kicked out of this house yeah which we could tomorrow right i can't live in ojai no i I know i know literally (laughs) and then and then if you're getting married soon thinking about what your family looks like in the future if you can't potentially make a home here yeah it is a it's a snowball crisis yeah it is a and it all and it's demographics and that is like the crazy thing like we will end up being like i don't i don't know what carmel looks like but you know what are those towns that have only old people palm springs palm springs <laughs> only you'll only be able to get an airbnb you know airbnb here to do a little vacay up in ojai that's not sustainable I mean, it's almost like a ghost town if that's a, a cur- you know, if that happens. I don't know. I've got a real, I don't like culture. it personally. I mean, because. who's going to take care of all the old people? Yeah. I mean, logistically, these people need care. They need care. They're going to need care. There's going to be more people that need care. Where are they going to get it? Everybody's driving from Ventura. Young Hispanic people driving up, bringing carbon emissions into Ojai. Yeah. You know, oh, we're all against carbon emissions, which I, of course we are. But if we like there, I don't know how, how do you legislate demographics? I don't think you do. I don't know. How do you ordinance it? I don't think you can. I know. I don't know, dude. It's weird. It is. It's so weird, but it's so complicated. And I don't know. Well, anyway, we'll keep going that over. That is the tea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Blair. Uh, I'm so excited to do another follow up from the meeting on the 14th. Mm-hmm. So you can expect that like later February. Yes. Um, and then just more tea all the more time. Tea. I'll be spilling it. Okay. All right. I bring my cup. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, Blair, you're a badass. Can't wait to see what happens in the next city council on February 14th, Lover's Day. I feel like that's a funny day for a city council meeting, but who gives a fuck? It's a I silly hope everybody holiday. Everybody holds hands. <laughs> they should. They really should because I feel like it's been heated in Ohio and like we could use a little love. Uh, Jordan, you have found this incredible food truck that means so much to you and it has been coming to Topa Topa Thompson and I don't think a lot of people know about it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So one of my roles here at Topa Thompson, which I'm 
super excited about has always been um, finding new food trucks, finding new food vendors. Um, I don't know. Food's always been really important to me. And so being able to bring that to my workplace has been super fun. Um, Lola Betty's Kitchen. Filipino food truck, which just automatically never heard of it until now. (laughs) Um, It's just so cool. Um, I found them on Instagram a long time ago, and I just shot an email in the dark, and they ended up starting to come to Thompson. Um, And we've had them for months now, which has been so special, but um, they serve Filipino food. It's owned by um, this really sweet family, the La Salas Adelia. She is the matriarch that runs the show. Um, And they're just so sweet, so kind. They make banging food um and they're here pretty much every other saturday um it's on our calendar um you can always check it out but it's just it's been really cool to see a a bunch of the filipinos come out of the cut for this food i mean when they come like they come to thompson it's like all the cousins and the titos and the titas come out and they enjoy the food um and it's just a party and then also seeing people experience it for the first time is pretty cool this is food I grew up eating, food that makes me feel like I'm back at home with my parents. And so to see other people enjoying it and feeling these feelings is like pretty special. Yeah, um, I think it's so cool, too, because we at Topa specifically, we're so lucky to have such a like intense, regular bar crowd and to see these like men that were so and I hate to say men because it's it is predominantly men that especially come to Thompson <laughs> but sit at the bar and they like hang out with us our whole shift and it's so great to see them stretch their comfort zone mm-hmm. and to see them try new things I think and the way I see it is it's so much about their love and respect for Jordan and who he is as a person that they're willing to try something new and go for it and I do think food can seem unapproachable to people especially if they've never had it or they're not comfortable with it or they don't know what certain words mean and things and mm-hmm. unfortunately we lost our immigration story episode which we'll do later with jordan but a huge thing you were talking about too is just like food is the easiest access point to different cultures uh-huh. and it's almost one of the most affordable access points because you're going to eat dinner anyway that yeah. night right so uh-huh. it's so cool to see people that just love and adore you try new things because of that reason yeah it's been pretty cool and like a million percent what you're saying like in terms of if you want to learn more about another culture or another person's story the easiest way to do that is through their food um i think that's i always say that like for future generations i may not be able to pass on the language i may not be able to pass on every story that my parents have told me and their grandparents have told them but I am eating the same food that generations before me have made in their homes to nourish themselves and to nourish their community. And that's pretty special. Um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Uh, they were so sweet. <laughs> the Adelia calls me on a regular Saturday. They're not at Thompson. And she <laughs> gives me a ring. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, do you guys need anything? I'm automatically in work mode. She was like, yeah, I was just wondering if you're at work right now. She was like, I made this dish that I know is your favorite. Because I told her what my favorite dish is. And it wasn't for service or anything. They were making dinner at home. Mm. And she was like, I made this dish and i was wondering if you wanted some she had her daughter drive from oxnard to ventura i'm crying this is too much they dropped me off dinner that they had made for themselves and it was just the sweetest thing yeah and so i'm sitting at home after work i've had a long day 
and I'm eating Filipino food, and it's my literally my favorite food that my dad always makes. And it was just, I had a moment of just like reflection and gratefulness and gratitude towards these wonderful people who understand how powerful food is and are able to like spread so much love. It was just, uh, it was so sweet. It's also community. Like, I don't want to speak out of my ass, but I'm guessing that you don't you haven't had that strong connection outside of your parents and your immediate family oh, yeah, to no, yeah. to people from the Philippines or the food or anything. So to just like have that community community being built around you, but that's who you are. Like you brought them in, they're going to bring you in. It was pretty sweet. I felt it, like I was one of the family. Yeah, and that was I, pretty cool. Ooh, I think they are mm-hmm. seeing you that way. Yeah. That is the sweetest thing ever. I'm so obsessed. Yeah. Um, okay. So, the three of us sitting in this room are all maybe not equally obsessed. I think it is varying, but equally obsessed with this woman named Kelly. <laughs> um, everyone's laughing. <laughs> uh, Kelly is all of one of our greatest friends. I don't think I'm like best friend level, but I'm trying to get in there. Like I've been working this angle for a while with Kelly and she's just so incredible. And she has gotten me so hyped up on ceramics like you guys have known i've been doing ceramics for years i'm almost coming up on my six-year anniversary of like getting back into ceramics because i originally did it in 2011 but anyways got back into it about six years ago and i pretty much make the same shit all the time the people at the ceramic studio are always teasing me like are you making more cups today you making more like straight walled i make straight walled like very like i make it as if i'm a machine they all look the same they're all very similar. I glaze everything the same way. Anyways, Kelly is coming to the studio. She's a new student and I've been helping her like hone her skills a little bit. Not only is she like a so ceramic savant. It's insane. She's actually very, very good for a beginner. Like it's kind of upsetting where I'm like, I wish you were struggling a little bit more because like we all had to go through this and you're just cutting like seven months Dude, out of she, your ex- she showed me her fr- she was like this is my first batch what do you think and i was like uh yeah. what no it's really cool and i would suggest anybody who wants to see into ceramics it's really cool because there's something satisfying it's not like okay no shitting on any other art but when you walk away with a finished piece at ceramics you can drink out of it you can put flowers in it you can eat out of it like there's something about functional art that i just obviously am like very excited about and it's the reason why i make ceramics i wouldn't make it if it wasn't functional like I don't know. It's Clearly so great. Never eaten spaghetti yeah. off of an oil painting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. I haven't. But um she has gotten me back into it and I've been making these weird fucking shapes. I've been making all this weird shit because Kelly's so excited about shapes and colors and I have lost that. In the very beginning, I was so excited about colors and shapes and I made so much I made way cooler shit when I was way worse at making pottery. Mm. Like I'll look at shit around my house and I'm like, I don't think I can make that today. Mm. The shape, the size, like the weird like angles and stuff but anyways ceramics is horny <laughs> it's one of the horniest practices i can think of. <laughs> i don't know i was just thinking about it uh a friend and i were talking about ghosts obviously <laughs> and i mean that's like that's low-hanging fruit but the idea of like the position of your hands on the wheel for an elongated amount of time you're just you're just i don't know yeah. how to, to diagram this I don't know, Sam. Does it get you going? The idea? I, I the mean, thought? it's the textures. I, I it's... really hate. I hate this. <laughs> do you want to I, see what my fingers are yeah. doing? This is no. what happens the entire time. 
Okay, it's also oh, okay. this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's also that. You guys, let me explain to you what they're doing here. They're doing the fingering motion, but instead of going up, they're going down. In. Yeah, it's the same so, thing. So it's the same thing. It's just reverse a different direction. And then Jordan was doing this like tingling, like fun little tappy fingers thing, which doesn't happen. It does <laughs> at the beginning when the clay is uh, moving but, your hands but around. But you definitely don't move your fingers around, but that's okay. Uh, they're well. moved. Sam's a big texture girl, I'm learning. I'm so nervous about the rest of that sentence. Okay, yes, I am. I'm big on textures. Big on textures. Love textures. Obsessed with textures. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> so we've made people, I've made people uncomfortable in this room. Uh, not the first time, won't be the last. Uh, no, ceramics is funny because you get a lot of instruction in the beginning and i have gone behind kelly <laughs> like sexy that's nice hey we could we could probably film a little bit for you if i mean I, I i don't know what the right answer I, is I, my I, heart's answer is yes uh okay well i think that's that conversation on ceramics yeah, i can't handle 16. this anymore okay. that's fine I'm oh literally my heart is beating out of my I will, chest i will self-promote because why else have a podcast <laughs> LOL. Mm-hmm. Nobody laughed in no, here. I'm everyone, so sorry. I'm everyone so sorry. No, got, no, no, no. Everyone I, yes. in the room got sad for we're here, me. We're like, here. We're oh, here. Okay. Yeah. I do just need attention. That's why I have a podcast. But uh, I do have two sales coming up for ceramics. Cool. If That's the great. Goobers give a shit. We'll I'm going to do an online one, but I'm going to try to convince everybody who's local to like not touch the online one because the online one is specifically for people who are constantly mm-hmm. like, I want to buy something, but they can't because they don't live locally. Yeah. The second one is going to be at Topa Topa Thompson, the same weekend and or the same day as Women's International Women's Day. I don't oh, know yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. So that's either March 8th or March 11th. I will keep you posted. That weekend. Keep your eyes okay. out. And um, I'll have cups, vases. I might even have like table lamps, side hmm. table lamps for incredible. your nightstand or something. Now, it is incredible. I'm very excited. Actually, I'll toot my own horn. However, that price range is going to be a little higher. But I do offer things from like $15 to $100. So mm. really, like if you want to ball out, you can. If you want to skimp by, you can. Okay. That's so, great. Yeah. That's I mean, Jordan and I will be there. Well, yeah. I think Jordan will be working it. Yeah. And I will be a woman. <laughs> I will. You will Sorry. be a woman. I will I, be a wo- I did play music at the last Topa Thompson Women's Day event. If you do recall, we so did not know each other. At the I time. did not know you, and no. I was selling ceramics. And Asa was so starving, and I was like, "I'll go hungry," because I wanted to stay and Aww. watch Lauren play and like see the musicians. Yeah. So we could have met almost a year ago. <sighs> we'll blame Asa. Lovers. We'll, we'll blame Asa. Well, I'm blaming him for two things: our missed, our lost love, and our lost love. <laughs> Well, we, what are the two things? Well, you're with him, so oh, there yeah. goes my chances. That's a problem, and then two, it? he was hungry, and therefore you could not stay I and watch me stay. and fall in love. I would have made eye contact with you, and it would have been done. We, I mean, I would have been like, I need to meet her, and Asa would have been like, Oh, another one. You're gonna make out with her too? Well, he doesn't seem to care. I'm just kidding. Don't get any ideas. I'm not. Sam. I'm not consent, and I, <laughs> I respect your relationship. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh my god, Sam is leaning in right now. <laughs> There she goes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Samantha, you recently totaled your car. Oh, I did total my car here in Ventura on Santa Clara and Oak. Um, I was at a red light. It turned green. I started to move through it. And a girl was 
busting through um, FaceTiming her boyfriend. So happy Valentine's Day to uh That's really embarrassing for her. It is. It was really embarrassing. FaceTiming a man of all people? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's too bad. Uh, my car was totaled. Uh, I've had that car for 12 years. My dad gave it to me when I was 18. Very sweet. Uh, that car was super lame. I love that fucking car, but it's, it, it's a toaster. It's a silver square boxy Scion XB. So, I mean, I might as well have had, yeah, two pieces of bread sticking out of the top of it. But, um, yeah, so it got totaled. Um, but I, you know, Can I interrupt? Yeah, as please. I inter- do. Yeah, no, please. So a Scion XB that's silver screams, and I and I mean this with the most respect, yeah. that I am in a Christian band and I do play on Sundays. Well, you wouldn't, do you know what I mean? I I mean, I, you load yeah. in, you load out, you got your silver toaster, well, and you're not you're, wrong. You're giving it. You're not wrong at all. My dad specifically got me that car because he's like. All the trunk space for your amp, all your guitars, for all that music you're playing at that church thing that you do. My dad was not a Christian man, uh, so he was like, tell God I say hi when I'd go off to church. So I was, I was like, Did well, you? I always told God, dad says hi. Dad says hi. Yeah. So through him, mm-hmm. Jesus. No, through you, Jesus, for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. Does that work, though? Uh, in, the, in the eyes of the Lord? Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I'm a little, uh, I'm, I've pivoted a little bit from that, my Christian ethic. I would say, though, in my opinion, if yeah. I were to be religious, and I probably am a little bit, but not really, you know what I mean? Like, I don't acknowledge it. I would say that, like, <laughs> Jesus and I, if he's out there, like, we're good. Like, like yeah. I don't need to do anything yeah. special besides be me. He's supposed to love me. Is that not his number one job? yes i yes like do i need to do anything more than be a good person like everyone needs to chill no i think that's great but on the flip side tell me i'm going to hell like i know that and i'm cool with that no no i'm not going to hell hell i'm going to purgatory and i'll be there for a little bit then i'll get into heaven but like i will spend some time (laughs) wait this is a whole thing but do you believe in hell well, if you're going to believe in fucking Jesus, are we not believing in oh, hell? Oh, so this is the premise that this we're believing. This is the premise that we believe in We things. believe in a Christian sense. Yeah, okay. This is me saying if I believed in anything, this might be a part of it. Oh, okay. What? Okay. Yeah, I really do want to know so badly what you actually believe about actual beyond from now. But Okay, no, we'll talk about that. So, I don't okay. know. I Good, truly, truly, truly don't know. I do believe there has to be... Okay. I would like to believe mm-hmm. because it would be so dumb. You guys, you guys, come on. Yeah. What am I working 40 hours a week for if there's not an afterlife? You're telling me I'm on this little rock floating through earth floating, and we're so insignificant. And in the time span of like how long earth has been here, we're like not even a blink of an eye. And I'm stressed out about making rent due. Like there has to be something else. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally praying that there is something else and that mm-hmm. my consciousness will continue because I also think being alive and conscious is like the coolest thing ever. Nice. Yeah. So I'm terrified. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, that sounds just about right to me. Uh, J- Jordan, you took the mic. Do you uh, my friend? Do you have something to say or just, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's in, uh, I don't know. You grew up uh, like religious. You grew mm-hmm. up always thinking, I think what I hadn't realized until very recently is when you grow up in a religious setting, especially a very devout one, mm-hmm. you from a very young age are thinking about existential things so often. And suddenly everything you do, everything you say, 
everything impacts you existentially mm-hmm. like like forever and in order to i don't know concept like i it took me a long time i guess one of the hardest things for me to break free th- from yeah was the idea was the idea that um what the hardest thing for me to break three free from the hardest thing for me to break free th- from yeah i'm just gonna give the listeners a, a little in that. into what's going on steph got up i think it threw off jordan's rhythm <laughs> and, then and uh and she and, and she turned on the lights <laughs> yeah just cut that <laughs> um okay over time like the hardest thing for me to break free from was that not everything had to be an ex- had to have an existential sure. weight to it yeah so when you said i don't know um it's pretty funny because it took me a really long time to get to that point mm-hmm. to get to the point to be comfortable with the thought of not knowing something mm-hmm. and like to be confident in that thought because you're you're indoctrinated from a very young age yeah that like either you do know and it's jesus or if you don't know you're not working hard enough mm. and i think like for me personally my my heart is like journey throughout religion and and theology and building a relationship with or without the divine was that um i had to become okay with that i don't know Mm -hmm. and i had to be confident in it too like so like it's funny because i haven't known ever (laughs) (laughs) but i've like assumed or i've put a lot of chips in one corner at one point um but at the end of the day i don't know it was like that that had an impact on me just because it's taken me a long time to get there Mm -hmm. and i i can appreciate someone saying that they don't know because it's true and it's valid and it's not something that's just like cast aside it's something that's like we none of us really do um but we're okay with that yeah yeah jordan i think there's a lot of beauty to that i don't know and i you you were posing like as a as a young child growing up with these big existential problems my hot take as a person and even as a therapist is honestly that teaching children about hell is abuse like i if i was working with a kid under 18 and they were in a hyper-religious environment and their parent was using hell as a motivator for certain actions i would actually call child protective services on behalf of that kid being like they're being emotionally and spiritually abused yeah well i'm curious too from somebody like uh, in jordan's perspective who had an answer or had an idea of an answer from a young age right and then lost it and had to find your way to i don't know because i've pretty much been at i don't know forever Mm -hmm. and that has been terrifying in its own way because i think you know sam and i plan on having like a huge conversation about grief and stuff like not knowing or not having faith in something or i don't know there's just like this blind faith and saying blind faith i'm not trying to be mean to anybody who is like really religious and just says like yes there is a heaven and it is waiting for me like good for you i have always been jealous of that faith yeah and not to say that people who have faith aren't like in the back back backs of their mind being like well fuck who knows you know (laughs) but i'm curious like is there more comfort in at one point knowing and then being like you know what actually i don't know and i'm gonna step back or is it all just really fucking like lost um I think, Jordan, I feel like you maybe have something to say on right yeah. now in this moment. Yeah. I think um, it's funny because it's, it's for 18 years of my life, it was so much simpler. Um, and it's, it's something that I definitely still grieve over, you know, um, 
this idea of absolutes in our lives, especially in terms of our existence. Um, I think when you're young and you're given these absolutes to guide and to kind of conduct your life by, it makes sense. Because when we're young, like we need these concrete things to build our life on. Um, but as we grow older and we have more and more complex experiences, those absolutes and those unflinching doctrines start to conflict with the way that we're experiencing life itself. I think when you're young and when you are starting to experience life, there are good things and there are bad things. And that's why I think for me, um, especially like Christian doctrine was so easy to latch onto at a young age because it gave me a clear path of good guys versus bad guys. Right. And if you do these things, then eternally you'll be okay. And if you do these other things, eternally you won't. Um, but as you develop and grow, like we're all meant to be, um, you as a person start to become more and more complex. I think as we grow older, we find that we're more and more capable of good and we're more and more capable of bad. You know, we have these, these things that we are able to do. And like I said, like that's when things started to get complicated for me is like coming up through religion and like truly honestly wanting to apply my life to these firm doctrines because it was simple and because it was something that I could tangibly feel something that I was certain in and man, I, I miss it. I do. I miss like being certain of that. Yeah. And I think something you said just struck home with me where it's like at a certain point when you get older, you realize that like someone doing something bad doesn't make them a fucking bad person. Mm. You know, it means that they did something bad in that moment. And that is really hard even as a 30 year old to come to terms with because mm. I've joked with my friends and like I sometimes I'm like a woman scorn. Like I will like I can be a bit of an elephant and or of a grudge holder of this. Like I clock things and like I will remember them forever, you know, and I put everything through that lens with that person. Then, you know what I mean? It's not even like a grudge or anything. I think it's a protection way to protect myself. But it's very much just like, oh, they did this thing that made me feel a negative emotional response for xyz when i get older and i like look back on things i can say i responded negatively because of my insecurities or my own anxieties about who i am as a person but sometimes when people do just simply a bad thing i look at them with that lens forever but it's mm -hmm. actually like and i think sometimes that's how like religion is like viewed is like they did this bad thing now they're a bad person mm -hmm. and it's like you get older and you're like well things are way more complex than that mm -hmm. and also <laughs> i would like to be able to do something bad and have resolution or like to be able to come back from it and to prove and like work on things. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's what well, the, the entire concept is. I think why you find people being so unintentionally hateful sometimes is their two choices are to either double down on what they've been learning since they were young or risk breaking down the entire system yeah basically going <laughs> yeah. and being like okay well my life has been a lie not yeah. a lie but the people that i respect and love and have looked up to my entire life truly don't know what's going on either it's true and are basing their lives off this like very simple yeah. good and or bad and like things are way more gray than that i had an entire life an entire young adulthood built on these ideas of um 
separation, I guess is the best way to put it. Where like these things that I thought were bringing me closer to God were not only bringing me further from love and further from community, um, but were bringing me further from like those that I had around me. Right. And so as I process the dissonance between these two things, I became really scared and insecure and scared of like the idea, even the idea of asking the question, the idea of being like, is this actually it? Am I right? Cause you're not only risking breaking away from your community, the people that love you, your parents, but you're also risking your entire eternal <laughs> fucking existence. Like, yeah, like casual. I, I couldn't agree more with Sam when she says that that is like an abuse because like you think of trauma as this thing that happens when your body or like your post-traumatic reactions are because your body and or your being felt that it was at a threat so high that it could risk your life or well-being, right? And then your body creates these systems to protect itself from those things. There are no greater traumas that could be created than like the threat of an existential death, right? Or like an existential evil Mm -hmm. to be stuck in. Mm -hmm. And so... God, you're running away from this thing your entire life. And then when you realize that it might not be the answer, it's doubly scary because you're scared that it isn't the right thing and you are going to have to break down this entire system that's been built in your head. And B, you might be wrong. Mm. And you might be breaking away from this thing that was right the whole time. And that's, I mean, I still think about that, you know? And it's <laughs> it's still a thing where it's like, ah, oh, I could probably be wrong, but... Now I've gotten to a place where I feel like I'm confident in that, like, yeah, I could be wrong. But here I am with the information I've been presented. Yeah. Trying to experience life in a way that, A, like Sam said in in her episode, like, helps me to love people better. And B, helps me to, like, be more present and be more present, like, with the people that I'm with. I don't Mm. know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's so much there. And, uh, you know, I should have asked this stuff earlier, but I'm going to I want to plug a little moment here. Um, I was recently on another podcast. I'm so sorry for cheating on you both. Uh, I know we have a really committed relationship here, Um, but I was on another podcast and it's airing. uh, It'll probably be aired by the time this airs. So it's it's called Thoughts and Prayers. Thoughts being T-H-O-T. Honestly, one of the greatest podcast names, like Bravo and prayers. Yeah. So it's about queerness and faith. And I thought they were having me on like, hey, you're a a queer therapist who's has a master's in clinical psychology. You know, like, let's let's do this. Let's tell me all about, uh, you know, the the psycho ed behind queerness and faith. And I thought it was gonna be super educational. I run a group on um, recovery from religious trauma professionally. And um, a lot of those people are queer. And so anyways, it ended up being a very personal episode. They ended up just asking me what my experience was like. So if you want to hear me talk more, it's there. But um, I just wanted, wanted to introduce that being queer has been such an important part of my faith journey. Um, I think queerness embodies a lot of play. And it's also the antithesis of shame. So we think of Pride Month and we're like, oh, corporations love pride. Like it's been co- totally co-opted by um, capitalism, as most th- joy is. Um, but... I, I do think that, again, we forget that the end, uh, so many people are so afraid, um, so many queer people are so afraid, and yet that 
pride is about, again, shedding off the shame and being like, I'm embodying who I am. And I think a faith journey that is like, I am embodying who I am is like the truest way to have a faith of any kind. And I also think, um, Steph, you pointed this out, like Jesus' whole thing is like loving people, right? Like the Jesus figures also, I think, would bolster that same idea of like living actually true to an authentic being and purpose is like how to live out a spiritual life. Um, so again, this, this idea of playfulness and shedding off shame as a queer person and also as a faith person. Um, and, and for me trying to figure out how those identities come together in one space, um, is, has, was very challenging at first and now is just fun. Well, that's awesome. And for the goobers, like this is not a conversation that has ever been popular on the top on the podcast Mm. because previously my co-host Cody, and he has talked about this himself. So I'm not feeling like I'm overstepping as a gay man has felt nothing but attack from religious communities and felt nothing but like shame and guilt. And it's scary and it can create really unsafe. I'm talking about like when I say unsafe, I mean like death. I'm talking about physical violence. I'm talking about like not feeling safe in a space, which a lot of women can understand, but like there's something different, especially in America and other countries too. Like Cody and I talked about it, like, queerness and gayness in america is still a lot safer than other places mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean like these experiences still aren't scary yeah so i hate to do that whole like wraparound thing but um we've never really approached the conversation because neither of us are religious but these two co-hosts like it's such a part of who you are and i've always wanted to broach this topic because i think it's also something that i feel like most people connect can connect to that mm-hmm. they have either searched for religion in their life or has pushed it away mm-hmm. and or has done a mixture of both. Because I've done it at a young age. I read the Bible. I would go to Bible study with friends, even though we like kind of got drunk. Like I was interested in figuring out if it was something for me. And you either grown up in a family that's like, no, this is what we are. And this is who we are. And this is what we do. And you're also grown up in families that are like, yeah, we're like kind of Catholic. We kind of go to church. Mm-hmm. Or you grow up in families. And some people grow up in families like my roommate. His parents are both like chemists. And they've never been religious and they've always, well, that's not true. Cause like, it's very interesting. People are so layered, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause like one parent is grew up Catholic and will like, so yeah, it's just like people are layered. And I think religion has come up in all of our lives a lot when we were young because we yeah. have no control over our lives or like what we're being told. So hopefully this is something you guys can connect on and will be a theme probably we'll talk about a lot. And cause I think there's so much more there that we can't get to today because we're running already um, pretty long. But it's such a emotional mm-hmm. and it's so tied to like trauma too for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I just, I can't be happier with this conversation. I love you guys so much. Like I'm <laughs> going to get emotional because I do think that having a podcast where you bring your friends on and get to know them in this space, because I've known Jordan for forever. Now it feels like just kidding. We, we said two years soaking wet and I've known Sam for a short amount of time, but this is like speed dating. And Cody and I used to always talk about that. Like I say, start a podcast with your friend because you learn so much about people mm-hmm. because these are like unfiltered, uninterrupted conversations that can really go places that like you don't usually get to do. Mm. Really? Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So it's really cool. And I thank you guys so much for coming on and being vulnerable and like putting yourselves out there because this isn't easy. Everyone could hear this if they wanted to. <laughs> Not, <laughs> about 10 people will listen. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, thank you guys so much. I also think this is a good segue because I think it's time to juice up the podcast oh, and yeah, get a little baby. drama, get a yeah. little intrigue. Yeah. Get a little ba da ba ba da ba. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> I'm trying to not allow myself to do that anymore, but let's do fucking Cody's segment. I'm so into it. Hey, Cody, come on. Ba-da-ba-da-ba. Cody's Bravo. 
last episode with Jordan. Thank you. I, lo- I wish we didn't lose the original one with him, but I know. You know what's weird? Is what? I was a little like I was listening to it and I kept forgetting that it wasn't me. Yes. Because he and I have a similar sense of humor yep. and don't sound dissimilar like you know like our inflections and stuff so i was getting a little confused i was like is that me well i was so confused it's my new cody i know i love that and i got feedback today that sam and you sound alike on the first episode oh yeah so princess switches all over the place (laughs) anyways that's not what we're here to talk about we're here for the tea the drama the bravo the bravo universe i have headlines first okay some important headlines is the real housewives of new york legacy show which is all old cast members um, because they're making room for a new New York that's more representative of diversity within the city. So, aka, all the Upper East Side white ladies are being thrown on the Legacy show. And that doesn't have a location? Well, it's just called Real Housewives of New York Legacy. Oh, 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 got it, got it, got it. And the rumor is, is that it was canceled because they couldn't agree on pricing or whatever it's called, pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Bracing. Andy and then Andy Cohen tweeted, "Don't believe everything you read." Hashtag Real Housewives Legacy, which is so dramatic. That's great. He's so dramatic. Um, Ultimate Girls Trip just finished filming in Morocco. Ooh. And um, I heard from a reputable, very reputable source that mm. they're back. I was too nervous to ask questions, but I know someone who knows someone who was on it. Yeah. And I was too nervous to ask questions, but um, yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, I mean, and then apparently Brandy Glanville was kicked off the show for trying to make out with Caroline Manzo, who is like Italian mother from the old days of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Mm. It's becoming a like sexual harassment thing. Oh, gosh. Caroline ended up leaving early. Um, Nina Ali depart is no is not going to be on Dubai anymore. Um, if you don't know who Nina Ali is, um, that's fine. No one does. No, I don't think anyone watched <laughs> Real Housewives of Dubai. It was so boring. I is mean, it? the only good thing about it is Chanel Ion, who is this like sassy Barbie. Um, this is not Bravo related, but I needed to talk about it. Okay. There's a show called Milf Manor. Have you heard of this? No. It's a dating show called Milf Manor, and it's young men and single older women get this all the older women are lined up to meet the young men all the young men walk out guess what the twist is it's all of their sons no so each of their sons are there to date other women on the cast no and they have to share a room with their mom no i just had to share that they have to share a room with their mom this is sick this is sick. sick it is sick um, Mary M. Cosby, the yes. grandpa fucker cult leader, mm-hmm. which is my favorite way to describe One someone. One of my favorite characters on Salt Lake. She's returning to Salt Lake because they need her since Jen Shaw's gone. I was going to say, gone. you weren't going to watch it. Now I feel like you might. Oh, yeah. Now they got me back. That's all it took. <laughs> they got you, gal. They got me, gal. Um, <laughs> One problematic person for another. You just exactly. need a swoop swap. Real Housewives of Potomac, I love Robin Dixon. I think she needs to get fired. They need to make a, an example out of her. Shame on Robin Dixon. What did she do? Um, I, I liked Robin when I watched I love Potomac. Robin, but I think she needs to be fired because all season she and Giselle were plotting against Candace's husband, Chris, who code switches. And I don't like Candace. I do not yeah, like Chris, the code switcher. That. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this season, I do feel like I'm on their side because Giselle and Robin were trying to make it seem like Chris was cheating. He's not. Um, this whole time, Robin's husband has been cheating on her. They all knew and they were not talking about it on the show. Until now, Robin is saying for the full story, you have to subscribe to my Patreon. Putting behind a paywall. 
I think Andy should fire her because she's not being a good reality TV star. She has a job to do. And so she's putting it. He's mad at You're her. You're so funny. He's okay. Mad at her. Okay. Um, real system might, oh, and on Potomac, he's mad at her. On Potomac, he's mad at her. I know he was telling me all about it. Real in Miami, Alexia hosts a legal luncheon where she hires a, a lawyer for the hour and they all have lunch and they could all ask legal questions for him pertaining to their storylines that season. And I think that's such a brilliant plot it developer. Is. I don't care about, I don't want to see your dog's birthday party. No, I don't want to uh... see a therapy session. These are the things I do not look for on Real Housewives show, but a legal luncheon, I think they should do it every season. I thought it was brilliant. That is and smart. it caused an insane fight where they're all just screaming at each also other. Also could have helped a few of these uh, housewife women. That's what Lisa's <laughs> going through this crazy divorce and they've all been giving her advice. And Alexia's like, well, what if we're giving her the wrong advice? The last thing, I love Alexia, but she really annoyed me. Julia's a lesbian married to Martina Navratilova. And she goes, well, Julia, you love women. How come you didn't defend me? It's like, what does that have to do with being oh a lesbian? It was God. so weird. Okay. I'm sure I'm over. You're over. I'm way over. Do you have one more thing? Get it. No, I don't. I, b- b- goodbye. <laughs> See you guys next time. <laughs> okay. Cody's Bravo Universe Corner. All right, Cody. Thank you so much for your Bravo mm-hmm. Universe. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's drama about Salt Lake City in there. I have to not know. I don't know yet, but I know you guys. I'm doing a bad podcasting. Anyways, I think that Topa Tocalypse is what we're calling this. When the three of us are all together mm-hmm. is going to have to happen a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked for the new season. Um, I'm trying to post weekly on the weekends is probably like the most reasonable. But please review us. Share us. If you're friends yep. with Jordan, Sam or I and you are not posting the podcast in your stories weekly when it comes out. I am, as Jordan just did, shaking my head and being sad. So please share us. Shout us to the rooftops. Also, Mm -hmm. word of mouth is like the biggest thing. People talk about what they listen to all the time. Yeah. Put us in your queue with your friends. Um, Let us know how you're doing. Let us know how you like Sam and Jordan. We love Mm. you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah. Any last plugs? Any last plugs? Uh, Dr. Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening right now. I love you so much. I respect (laughs) you as a woman. And... If you're free for dinner on Friday night, let me know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Come here, Cody. Come here, little Cody. Hey, Cody. (laughs) Cody. Good Cody.